What's up, guys? Before we get going today, just want to remind you, podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Fix. Who is Skybox Sports Fix? Well, I'm glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry, along with years of wisdom and experience. These guys are legit. You need to go check them out. They run promos all the time. They just had the potential $1,000 giveaway with the NASCAR picks. They did not end up getting the winner correctly, but you still profited about 900 bucks if you win $100 per unit uh, on their picks for that weekend. Just got clipped on the winner. I know they were salty about that, but they won you money. What do they really have to apologize for? But these guys are legit. You need to check them out. NASCAR's in full swing. That's one of their bread and butter, shockingly enough. I, I had their NASCAR guy on a couple months ago try to explain it to me like I'm two years old, and uh, it was a really interesting way to learn about it. So you need to check them out if you're a NASCAR fan in particular. But they've got all kinds of stuff, weekly golf picks. They've got MLB. They dabble in some NBA stuff as well, and they can do a package that will fit your price range. You could do a daily pass for 10 bucks if you just want to test it out see what they're up to. You could do a month-long NASCAR package for 25 bucks. That's four weeks. Last month, they were refunding the NASCAR package if it wasn't profitable. So you pay 25 bucks, and either you make a ton of money, which you will, or if you don't, you get your 25 bucks back. That seems like a pretty good deal. Weekly golf picks. They've got one-week NASCAR picks, four-week sports-centric packages, four-week all-access packages. You get the point. If they have a, if you have a preferred sport, they will find a package to fit your price range. And if you use the promo code Rippy, you get twenty percent off any purchase. People, I know people have been going to the site because Rob and I have been looking at the traffic or whatever. But you guys are just peeing away free money by not uh, using the promo code. I don't understand it. I like discounts. I like free stuff. Seems like a pretty good deal to me. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Go find a package. There's articles on there as well, as well as free gear. I'm actually rocking a Skybox hat right now. Rob gave them to me over the weekend. Pretty awesome stuff. So check these guys out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Greg's got the deals going on. If you're a subscriber to the Rippy Rights newsletter, you get free meats or discounted meats. Whichever one Greg has uh, in store for you this week, the uh, current deal we got going on right now is $10 off, excuse me, a 16-ounce prime strip for 10 bucks, as well as $5 off any frozen sausage just for being a subscriber to the Rippy Rights newsletter. That's rippyrights.substack.com. All you have to do is type in your email. It's completely free, and you'll get spanned with the newsletter uh, four or five days a week and free meats. I'll let you decide which one's better. So check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Y'all know the deal. Greg is the absolute best. You don't need me to tell you that at this point, but I am uh, contractually obligated to tell you this. So check him out, LB's University Avenue. This is Colin and I's super regional preview. We got into who will miss might pitch, in what order, broke down Arizona's lineup. Their rotation got into how their rotation shakes out in terms of their best guy going on Saturday, being a lefty and the two righties sandwiched around him. At the time of this recording, we did not know who Ole Miss was going to throw in this. So if you're listening to this and it's, the rotation has been released, I don't think it changes much of the conversation. Uh, just kind of maybe gives some color to it and some options, or who knows, maybe we're right for a change. So anyway, tons of different stuff. Here's your super regional preview. Let's go. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Wednesday night, Thursday, whenever most of you are listening to this. I am Brian Scott Rippy. 
On the other end of the line is Colin Brister. I appreciate every one of you tuning back in for another edition of the Rippy Rights podcast. I still have not put the new poll on the Rebel Grove message board to rename it to something that makes sense. But I saw Rippy Raps. I like that. I like that, but can you really change it now? Ole Miss is in the postseason. If I changed good it now, point. wouldn't a lot of people be pissed off at me if they got, like, you know, two and through this weekend? That's, that's a good point. So it feels like a July thing. Yeah, it'll be Rippy Rights until Mike goes to LSU. It's a joke. That's a joke. It's a joke. That's a joke. We'll get into it later. It'll uh, we'll keep it the same through baseball season, then see how that goes. That that seems like an off season problem, does it not? Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a future us problem. Yeah, it's like Ole Miss not having any pitching for twenty twenty two. They got time. <laughs> so, just we, gonna go get everyone's transfers. Yeah, like uh, the Texas A and M Corpus Christi kid that uh, Chase wrote up about today that had kind of a Christian Trent feel to it. So anyway, check that out at rebelgrove.com proud to be a part of the rebel grove network this is our super regional Ole miss arizona preview podcast we threw out the typical mailbag friday the baseball schedule has put a wrench in the people's holiday but it will not die in vain we'll be back at some point for the people's holiday eventually i'm going to get shirts made up which if i actually put my mind to it you could have shirts by the winter of 2022 so we shall see how that goes we're here to talk some baseball and a lot more forward-thinking, even though we don't – not forward-thinking. We're not going to talk as much about the regional in this podcast as we are, obviously, what's in front of Ole Miss. Uh, I imagine at this point we're recording on a Wednesday night because we figured just kind of get it out for the people. Ole Miss has not yet released their rotation, but they're getting a Friday through Sunday regional. Do you have any sort of intel or educated guess as to what that might be? Uh, intel, no. Um I, I think I expect Doug Nikhazy to not pitch game one um, just from – I mean, why would you? Like, he's going to pitch one of the two. Um, why not give him the extra day of rest? Um, so, no, uh, you know, ed- educated guess or intel, no. Just, uh, you know, looking at it and just kind of kind of formulating an opinion. I would, I would suspect that he pitches game two and get him the extra day of rest. Or if, you know, Mike takes uh, – takes our strategy and saves them for game three if they were to win the first one. Uh, that could work, too. I, I, I do – I mean, again, like I said, I don't, I don't have any inside knowledge or anything. I just kind of would think that it makes sense to hold him for at least game two. Yeah, I just I, – that never seemed like a – you know, I guess if Doug was really like, hey, I'm good, like I want the ball in game one and was really, really adamant about it. I mean, Mike uh, – Mike seems like he maybe would concede that. And – I. I was about to make sure. a Drew Pomerantz reference, but I don't think that's completely fair because Mike definitely wanted to use Doug Nikhazy in uh, on one day's rest in the regional. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned – you kind of joked about it on the uh, kind of the Sunday emergency pod that we had that Doug would try to fight Mike if he made him sit on the – No, I was 100% serious about that too. Uh, played a hand in that game. Uh, Mike actually said that. Did you see that in his press conference? I did. I did. Said, I was Mike like, hey, back me up. Yeah, he, he did back you up. He might listen to this podcast, even though he's asked Chase before what, uh, if he hosts a podcast after having been on it. But anyway, um, I'm not sure I should let that story slip. But be that as it may. Be, point being, if I was about to make a Pomerantz reference to where, you know, people that's been around it a long time always say Pomerantz is the one guy that would take himself out of games. Like it was kind of like, hey, little man, get off my mound type of deal. Yeah. Um, Doug has – it seems like Doug maybe has a little bit of that to where if he was adamant enough to like, I'm pitching game one, Mike would say, okay. 
But yeah. I don't – obviously, I don't think that's the case because I don't think Doug gains a ton from that. So, outside of that type of situation, I, I would have – I would see him – I would imagine he goes game two at earliest is what I'm trying to say in a very terrible so, way to articulate it. Let me, let me ask this. Um, I mean, Doherty and Diamond both threw on Monday. Um, Diamond having thrown – I mean, and after both really threw on Friday, and the pitch disparity wasn't that much different on Friday for either one. I mean, I think Diamond threw 90 – I mean, it was a good bit, but Diamond threw, I think, 90 or so, and Doherty throws 60. And then both of them throw again on Monday. Um, you know, probably threw about the same amount of pitches in a 48-hour window. Um which one of those guys is – I mean, are, are those two guys going to be available for Friday? Because then if they're not, uh, the question then goes, is it Tyler Myers? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm just presenting options as to if it's not Doug. I mean, I'm not 100% sure it's Derek just because he hadn't had a ton of rest either. Uh, how about neither? <laughs> he could go on Myers. Would you be totally opposed to the idea? Uh, if you're asking me, no, um, I don't think that happens, but no, I would not be because, uh, that, that kid's looked good, man. He has looked really, really good. If he does what, you know, he's done the past two weeks, Ole Miss is going to have a real, real shot to win on Friday night. Um, if that were to happen, um, I'm fascinated. We'll find out tomorrow. Mike's got a media op, I believe it's six o'clock, six fifteen or something on Thursday. Um, I have no idea what he's going to do. I really don't. I'm, that's kind of one of the more interesting things of this whole weekend is, is how they're going to line this up. Yeah, it really is. I think that's probably the storyline going into sure. it. And, and, you know, maybe one of the disadvantages of recording on a Wednesday evening is this this gets announced and there's no time to react to it beforehand. But whatever. I just I, – I look at it from the perspective, and I know Mike doesn't look at it this way, but if you were to gauge any sort of educated Ole Miss baseball fan sure, and you said – you each get lineups be damned. Let's just for the sake of the argument say in one dugout, you're going to have Ole Miss's lineup and the other dugout, you're going to have Ole Miss's lineup. So the hitters are the same. Uh-huh. Who would you bet feel is a safer bet to win you the game on the mound? Derek Diamond or Tyler Myers at this point? Tyler Myers. I think my answer just is Tyler Myers as well. Because, and, and, Look, Derek Diamond's stuff is, is is better. That's not even a debate. But at no time has Tyler Myers struggled to throw the ball into the strike zone. Um, you know, and Derek's been really, really good at times for this team. But there has been times where he struggled to throw it into the strike zone. Myers' issue is he's been hit. Um, you know, I'll take the guy that can pump it into the strike zone every single time. I mean, Myers is an elite, elite strike thrower. Um, so, yeah, if, if you know. You're asking me which one I would take in that situation would be Myers. Um, but in saying that, I mean, I understand it, too. Like, I mean, Derek Diamond has started on Friday night in SEC against LSU. He's been in, you know, big-time SEC starts over and over again. Myers has really only made one big-time start. It was against Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament. I know he essentially came in in the first – he did come in in the first against Southern. But, you know, I, I understand the fact that Derek has been through it a little bit more. So, I'm not faulting or anything. I mean, he could start Doherty, Diamond, Myers. Uh, there's really – you know, I mean, I, I would think those would be the three options um, and probably heavily lead towards Diamond. My only thought problem – or not problem, but my only worry about Diamond is, is has he had enough rest and will he be okay uh, for that start on Friday night? How many pitches did Diamond throw on Monday? Uh, it wasn't a ton, around 20 or so. I'll look it up. We'll get IT on that here in just a second. But it, you made a good point in terms of Myers being – because it really is kind of the balance, Right. Like, Myers, even though he's older than Derek Diamond, 
has never really been in the arena and never really been in that moment. Unless I'm mistaking something obvious, he didn't really play a role in that 2019 postseason run, not at least not um, a one. He pitched, he pitched one inning against – he pitched an absolutely a pretty big inning against Missouri on Tuesday in the SEC tournament, and uh, he handed it to Olenek, who closed a two-to-one game. But outside of that, no. Was that off the top of your head? Yeah. Okay. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I'm insane. Anyway, so <laughs> – but yeah, so like deeper in that postseason run, I remember I did never remembered him fact without going back and looking it up. I never hit, remembered him factoring into that regional and into that super regional. And so, I, I think there is something there. I know you're more of a kind of a numbers and a a, a database guy, as opposed to uh, maybe non tangible characteristics. That would probably be fair to say. Sure. But at the same time, there's something too haven't been in the moment and kind of been in the sure. arena before. And Diamond hasn't been there yet from the postseason aspect, but Diamond has been there weekend after weekend in the SEC, at least a little bit more than Myers. But I guess the flip side of that coin is it's not that much difference when it comes to postseason experience. No, no, it's not. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting decision that Mike's going to have to make. Uh, I think he's going to hold Doug just because, I mean I, – I, in my head, I don't understand why you wouldn't. Hey, real quick, we played out a fun scenario today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want your opinion because I think this is actually kind of interesting. Let's pretend like Ole Miss wins game one, okay? Just they win game one. Uh, Jack Doherty and Broadway throw too many pitches to come back on Saturday. All right, so Ole Miss is up one up. We good hey, there? Hey, one more time. Sorry, I'm slow. All right, all right. Ole Miss wins game one. Okay. Okay. Diamond. Uh, starts and then Broadway and Doherty throw too much to be available for Saturday. So those guys are unavailable. Okay. So does that, does that make sense? Yes. You good there. All right. So on Saturday, you start Tyler Myers because Mike just does this thing where he holds Doug and if you're giving him an extra day. Well, let's pretend like Ole Miss gets the lead in the eighth inning. If you I did like that, where you're going with this. Would, would you would you let 26 close it out? Yes. If you have the lead with that many outs left, well, you so you're saying in the six, so it's twelve ish outs for the game. No, 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 no. I said I said in the seventh, so it'd be nine. Okay, but whatever. Is is that much different if it's the fifth? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's it's Doug. It's not like it's the whole Broadway debate. It, like does it matter? Like if you have a lead and you get to the fifth inning, I'll mess up. Burning him there. I mean, I, so this at this point, you'd have to defer back to some of the stuff that I am not as in tune with in terms of, like, the preparation that goes into starting sure. leaving. How much – like, what would it take for Douglas uh, Booger's eater to, like, actually get in the frame of mind that he would for a normal Friday night start? What is the process like and how is that different in terms of getting yeah. ready to play? Yeah, I don't know. It was just – it was a fun scenario. No, no, I, I'm asking. I, I'm asking. I'm not done answering. Like, what is, the, what is that process like and how would it be different in-game well, than pre-game? He he wouldn't get to do a, a full full pregame warm up. I mean, it would go to the, you know he pitched in relief as a freshman in nineteen. It would be that. It would be go to the bullpen, get ready, and and get ready to go. I mean, it, it wouldn't be he'd get to do a full game re or a full pregame or whatnot. Right, um, I get that. I guess what I'm asking I, I, to ask that terribly. How much of a difference do you think that makes if he's about to have to go? Let's just say twelve outs. None. Okay. I don't. I don't think it. Might. I think if Doug Nikhazy's loose, I mean, look, this is a guy that's pitched in at the back end of games before as a true freshman. Like he has, he has experience in bullpen. And look, I, 
I think this scenario is so far-fetched, it's kind of silly me even bringing it up. But I did kind of think it was fun was how did, how would you manage that? What's the highest percentage chance to get to Omaha? And my answer was I would throw him, and the reason would be because if it all goes to hell, I still got tomorrow. You know, I mean, it's – you know, they, they, they would let you play game three. Now, would I like Ole Miss's odds if that were to blow up in their face? Not really. Um, but I think that would present your highest percentage chance to get to the College World Series. Well, and particularly given that you have presumably Doherty available again for that game three, if you really want to sure. go down. And Bravo. Exactly, the huge road of your hypothetical. And if you're looking at it from an outs counting standpoint, so if you just play it the same way as the Southern Miss game seven played out, again, going way deep down this hypothetical. So if you're driving the car right now, smashing your head up against a, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the steering wheel because you don't understand what we're talking about, sorry. But given that, that hypothetical, Doherty got you 12 outs and – Broadway got you six, so that's 18. So you're talking about if things go decently well in that game three, you're talking – you're only talking about nine more. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, I think my answer would be Doug after hearing what you're talking about, but that is a wild hypothetical to think about. Reeling it back in a little bit to the Diamonds-Myers sure. sure, sure. discussion, I thought you made a good point, and I got sidetracked after I said that the first time, about Myers being kind of an elite strike thrower. And Diamond having some trouble with walks sometimes, and particularly trouble getting off the field in a walk turning into a two-three run blast, something like that. Um, this Arizona team leads the Pac-12 in average on-base percentage and slugging. And uh, I'm going to crunch the numbers here. If you lead the conference in on-base and slugging, I think you'll lead the conference in on-base plus slugging. Can you check me on that? I will. I will. Uh, yes, that uh, would be accurate. Yeah, get out the <laughs> abacus, and I'm pretty sure that checks out. So. They're really good offensively. They rake. That's kind of the scouting report. That's the MOs on these guys. I, I'm not – I wouldn't fall – I wouldn't think it's a huge deal, and I think he ends up going with Diamond because Diamond's been the starter all year. Assuming you hold Doug, I think he goes with Diamond in game one. But I guess I'm just making that point to say is these guys are really good and you don't want to give them free passes to, for the old baseball cliche. No, no. You do not want to uh, issue free passes. But in saying that, I mean, yes, you're completely right. You don't want to issue free passes, but, my God, they rake. Like, you don't want to throw it down the middle either. So, you've got to be extremely, extremely efficient and throw the ball on the corners and not mess up uh, with guys that don't have high spin rates. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a really, really good lineup, man. It's deep, and, and they get after it. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get into the park dimensions, but that park plays pretty – it doesn't play small, but it, it doesn't play as, as big as the dimensions. Um, they hit a ton of gappers, ton of, ton of, frankly, they had a have a decent amount of triples, which is not a, not a big thing in the college game. I, look, Ole Miss is going to have to play really good defense in the outfield. Um, something that they didn't do at times last week and, and TJ McCants is going to have to be good out there. Um, it's a, it's a tough part to play in and, and yeah, I mean, you, you better not miss over the plate and give these guys chances to take really good hacks or you can be in for a really, really long day. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point you made about the ballpark because at some point on either Sunday or Monday's broadcast, I can't remember which one it was, but Tom Hart was asking Kyle Peterson if any team had an advantage in Omaha. Any team still left had an advantage in Omaha because of how large that ballpark is. And to Kyle Peterson's credit, I'm not like this isn't a knock on Kyle Peterson. You know, spur of the moment, he just starts listing off ballparks with large dimensions, right? Arizona. Texas, uh, a couple other ones. But 
you know, had that conversation continued, I imagine he might have added some color to that where Arizona's dimensions are very big, but because of the air and the heat out there, and if we want to get Bryson DeChambeau on the pod to explain air density, it doesn't <laughs> play that big. But you mentioned the triples aspect of it. Well, yeah, it doesn't play that big in terms of hitting the ball over the fence. Like if it's 407 and 360 or whatever it is down the lines, that's huge. But with the air, it doesn't play that huge getting over the fence. But the triples aspect of it, it's still a deep cavernous gap if you hit the ball in the gap. Like the air density and all that crap doesn't matter if you're hitting the ball in the gap. It's still a gigantic outfield, if that makes any sense. That's probably why the triples thing is the case. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting park, and I'm sure Ole Miss is going to misplace some balls. I mean, that's why it's Arizona's home field advantage. I, I, look, T.J. McCants, Hayden Leatherwood, John Rice Plumley, and Kevin Graham are going to have to be good out there in the outfield. I mean, it's it's going to be – it's a cavernous park. Um, and if you throw balls down the middle of the plate, they're going to hit it in gaps, and, and some of their guys can really, really run. And those doubles turns into triples, and now you've got a bigger problem. Um, it's it, What's crazy is – and this is just a baseball thing, but – the difference between a one-out double and a one-out triple is just, like, infinitely different. Um, so those guys have to be good. They have to take good routes. They have to cut balls off and keep guys – you know, if you do give that one-out triple up or one-out double up, you got to keep it to a double. It's uh, it's an interesting park, and, and Ole Miss is – and, frankly, it's one of Ole Miss's probably – I shouldn't say weaknesses, but it's not – it's certainly not a strength when you talk about outfield defense. Um, it's something they really, really need to be good at this week. Um, you know, and, and – I, I'm interested to see how they handle it. I'm interested to see late in the game if they get both Cade Sammons and John Rice Plumlee into the game because I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. I, I, it's That's one of the major storylines I'm looking at this week is, is how well they play in the outfield. Sure, that makes a huge difference, and you led me exactly where I was going with that is I think the obvious question in terms of talking about the outfield and Ole Miss needing to be better defensively would be how much value – does John Rice Plumley have here and how much more weight would you consider to starting him slash playing him over Leatherwood but I'm glad you took it the Salmon's route because I was going to take it a step further there's no world where Cade Salmon should start a game no 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 or Ole Miss but like what are the odds you see him in the late innings of both of the games for a defensive replacement particularly if Ole Miss has the lead so let's right we'll go first part We'll we'll kind of settle in on that how much more weight would you consider playing Plumley over Leatherwood, particularly given when – and his name is just now escaping me. I literally had this written down two seconds ago. Uh, their best, the kid that they throw on Saturday is their best pitcher, and we can get into the scouting report in a second. Uh, Garrett Irvin, who's a lefty, like particularly yeah. against a left-hander Irvin, like how much more weight would you give that uh, in terms of starting Plumley? Like how would you play that? Garrett Irvin on the mound game two, do you start Plumley or Leatherwood? I start I start Plumley just because he started every game against the left lefty as of late. I mean, he started the Friday and Saturday games of the regionals, and I don't I don't figure there'll be any reason to change it up. Um, so the question really becomes: Game one and three against uh, Murphy and against Silseth, um, who do you start? And and that's a that's an interesting discussion. Um, does Hayden Leatherwood provide you enough offensively to justify playing him in that big part? I don't know. I and, it, and 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 that's bad for me to say, but I don't really know how the park. Um, I, I don't. I guess what 
I'm trying to say is I don't know how John, how much John Rice Plumley can impact it until I see it, if that makes sense. Um, and Mike will have the benefit of a practice there tomorrow and, and seeing how things play and we'll be able to make that decision. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one for sure, because that, that park is cavernous. Um, and I'm interested if Ole Miss does have a lead late, if you, if you have Plumley and you have Salmons both in the corner outfield spots and you maybe bring Kevin Graham into play first, um, you know, you'd have some real speed in the outfield and some guys that could defend it well. I don't look just kind of following Ole Miss baseball the past 21 years. I don't think Mike's going to change up a whole lot. I think they'll get Leatherwood out. I think Leatherwood will start against right-handers on Friday and on Sunday uh, if it gets to Sunday. And and I think you know they'll they'll replace them with either Salmons or Plumlee late in the game. I don't think a whole lot will get changed, but it's certainly you know with the dimensions and uh, this cavernous outfield, it's it's certainly a discussion worth having. You mentioned that you don't know and that you kind of have to see it. There's probably an element to Ole Miss having to get out there and seeing it uh, on Thursday evening. Sure. Right? As you speak, sure. like, you kind of got to test. Like, you know, you kind of think they go in and they shag balls and that's kind of just it. And, you know, they're out there and they're getting ready for the game. But that's probably a pretty big part of it is particularly kind of getting familiar with the dimensions of the park. And in Ole Miss's perspective, that could drastically affect their personnel in parts of games. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they will have a full-fledged practice, I figure, tomorrow. I know they traveled today. I'm not sure if they practiced today. Um, they're, in, they're in Arizona as of Thursday night. Um, but, yeah, or as of Wednesday night, excuse me. Um, yeah, it's, it's, that'll be something they have to weigh tomorrow. I would expect Leatherwood gets to start in game one um, just because I don't necessarily think it's – I don't – if it was me, I would probably start Leatherwood. I would, I would take the bat – and I would replace him in the seventh or eighth inning if I had a lead. Um, I Maybe that's just me. But uh, we'll see. I think it's – you know, some people are, are – and, and I don't think I agree with this, but I understand where they're coming from. We're just saying, well, play Plumlee in center if McCants is struggling offensively because he doesn't provide you – you know, he's not the best defender in the world. He's had some struggles out there, if we're all being honest with ourselves. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I understand where people are coming from when they say it. Well, it could be worse. It could be absolutely <laughs> worse than than TJ McCanson's yeah. defensive perspective, right? You know, yeah. this is a conversation we had a couple of times this year, and we've kind of put it to bed with all the other issues that Ole Miss has had going on. But, like, who played the best center field for this team this year? Justin Bench. He did. Who's a natural infielder? TJ McCanson. <laughs> Obviously. That's not happening, though. And I'm not no, saying no, might no, just no. completely reinvent the wheel because of the ballpark they're playing in. But it is kind of an interesting dynamic where they – I just – I'm just saying, if it's if it's me and I take all this crap about being tight in the postseason and freaking out, I just go take my team in there and I play the same I've done all year. And, oh, and outside, outside of the pitching rotation, I just go play and we'll see what happens. Sure, because, like, <laughs> I mean, if Mike throws T.J. McCants at third base yeah, I and mean, Justin Bench back at center field and then goes, like, Salmons and Plumwee or something insane, and they lose like seven one. It's like that loss is getting blamed on him. Whereas if he runs the normal nine out there, it's a different story. I'm not suggesting he'd even do that or consider that. I was mostly just kind of going down the rabbit hole. But it sure, is sure. from term, it is an interesting dynamic to kind of watch in terms of how they manage that late game. And I do think if it's a right-handed pitcher, Hayden Leatherwood is starting both days. I think that's the right call to make. It's so I, it is. It's righty, lefty, righty. Right, and so I think game two. Plumlee probably gets the start. As a yep. regard to McCants, I never really bought into that. I know the kid's struggling, 
And I think yeah, it's just being compounded to buy like, – it doesn't look good. I don't know if you call it body language, part of it's body language, but the act of hitting does not look very good right now either. And I think that kind of makes it worse. But I, honest, my, I'm of the opinion you kind of just got to ride it out. Yeah, yeah. Look, he's in swing mode. It is. That's, that's what happens as freshman. It's, you know, he's got to start seeing the ball up, laying off curveballs in the dirt. I mean, it's easier said than done. They throw 95. Um, I, TJ McCants is going to be a superstar at Ole Miss. I'm not worried about him. He'll be fine. So, uh, yeah, you keep running him out there in center field. I understood where people were coming from, saying, hey, if he's not providing you anything offensively, his defense doesn't make up for it. I get it. But in saying that, his ceiling uh, offensively is worth you, you continuing to run him out there, even through the midst of a little slump. Yeah, just the one thing that he can't afford to keep letting it do, and maybe there's no correlation here, but it does seem to be affecting other aspects of his game. He's sure. made pretty egregious base running mistakes. They don't need him to be a freshman defender and a freshman base runner this weekend if he strikes out. No. He needs to continue to play well in the other two facets because he could go 0 for 4 at the plate on Friday night, and people wouldn't be happy by looking at the box score. But if he makes two sound plays defensively and doesn't make any bonehead moves on the base path, that's decent value for Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, the base running stuff, I, I can excuse the slump. I can excuse the, the, the guy that's, you know, playing center field for the first time in his life. Um, what happened on Saturday night cannot happen. That, 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 was, that was bad um, against Florida State. And then it almost happened last week against Arkansas in the STC tournament. You would have hoped that he learned from it. And you would sure hope after what happened against Florida State he's learned from that. The, the, base, run, the base running stuff has to stop. Yes, it does. So that's kind of, that's another big storyline this weekend. We kind of jumped off, but before we get into the Arizona scouting report, uh, I don't know. This is a fun game. They haven't released the rotation as of this recording. Sure. So we'll just play it one more time. What would you do, and then what do you think it'll be? You can go in whatever order. Uh, I think it will be Diamond Nikhazy Myers. Um, what I would do, and people might laugh. I would go Doherty hold – I would go Doherty, TBA, TBA. And if I won game one, I would throw Myers game two. Interesting. So, you don't – you're not buying the Doherty short rest from Monday. Um, okay, so so when I say Doherty, I mean, you can do it either way you want. I would go Doherty piggybacked with Diamond or Diamond piggybacked with Doherty, if that makes sense. Um. Either way, it doesn't. You can start either one of them for me. I would go Diamond or Doherty, piggybacked by the other one, trying to get it to Johnson and Broadway. So whatever way you want to do that. Um, and ideally, yeah, if you're I, two of them, you would just want to get it to Broadway. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And then I, I'm big on the hey, if you win game one without Doug, hold it for game three, and unless there's just a save opportunity that you got to take on game two. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. So, my answer is the same as yours in the first front, what I think it'll be. I think it will be Diamond, Nikhazy, Myers. Uh, but, you know, I brought up the theory. We recorded after Ole Miss won on Monday night, which, God, feels like days ago. We had, like, one day off without a podcast. I was like, I'm rejuvenated because I'm still going to a day job every day as well. But uh, it was funny. I brought – so, Chase needed to record the Oxford Exxon because Neil was out of town. So, I hopped on that, and we kind of had similar conversations um it, after that obviously because Ole Miss just won a regional or whatever and I brought up your theory of going I'd said diamond TBA TBA because I think that's what we had it at at the time it doesn't really matter and I was just curious because I, I I think the way I phrased it was I'm not sure I necessarily even agree or disagree it's just a theory that made me think and Chase being the 
I was about to call him an old guy, being around as long as he has on the beach. I know exactly where he's going. He, he's going to talk about not or throwing palm on Saturday against Virginia, isn't he? That's exactly where he went in that yeah. podcast. He said he yeah. believed that was a mistake. If you give Pomerantz the extra day's rest and you get Pomerantz against Virginia in game three, uh, that's fascinating that you jumped on that that quickly. But, as soon, you know, of course, I was, what, 13? I was 09. Yeah, I was, I was 13 when that happened. Uh, boozing yeah. in the outfield with my boys. Just kidding. Uh, I was actually in the stands for one of the games. <laughs> I think I was in junior high. But, anyway, uh, not important. I thought that was interesting, though. And then more and more I thought about it. He's like, you're probably right. And he thought that he, he – I think he described it as one of Mike's, like, uncovered mistakes or maybe a hindsight-ish mistake. And that was just interesting. His mind went there immediately. Yeah. Um, I'll, I've always wondered what would have happened had they held Palm that day. Um, I get it. it so, I'm not going to go too – I mean, look, that was 12 years ago. I think Mike – decision now was different than it was then because I think really I think his decision then was man I, I've lost two game threes um I don't really want to go deal with another one let's just go win this thing right now um and I, I kind of understand that for sure I get that for sure um you know I got my ace on the mound let's just go win this thing right now I get it but you know Mike since then has gone to the college world series too so it's not you know a thing of hey they've never been so if I'm if I might I and I've got – look, if you hold Doug for game three now, again, unless there's maybe just a real closeout opportunity in game two and Broadway and Johnson and Doherty are all unavailable, which I know we did that hypothetical. That probably seems a little unlikely that all three of those guys are unavailable. Um, man, you're going to have a real advantage if Doug Nikhazy can throw game three, especially if, you know, assuming Broadway's back available after throwing probably game one. Um It'd be real tough for me to be real tough for me to bet against Ole Miss in that situation, you know. No kidding, particularly with the Irvin kid presumably going on Saturday in Arizona, right? right. And so that's probably as good a transition to any. I, there's no wrong from the scenarios we've outlined. Mike, what Mike probably does versus what what you and I just outlined, and we're just two assholes on a podcast. But like, there's not necessarily a wrong decision there. It's just an interesting way to look at it, and it's almost weird that there's more strategy to be had when it's a super and it's two out of three because you know you get to the point particularly of your team that has thin pitching staff which I would describe Ole Miss as thin-ish um you know you get to that point it's like okay well someone has to get out to where everything is kind of strategic in this two out of three deal particularly if you only have two wins and there's no third game if you win the first two so well let me present this too now um we've talked about holding Doug and you know maybe throwing him on Saturday um you probably looking at the numbers, and, and Chase Silseth from uh, Arizona, their Friday guy, is not good. I mean, it's a 5-4 ERA. It's a pretty hard fastball with a good breaking ball. But if Doug's ready to go on Friday night, there is a world where you just throw him and you go get that win and say, all right, I got two games to win one. Because I, I feel pretty confident if McKenzie throws game one, they're going to win that game. Um so, in the same breath of us talking, hey, hold him for game three, I can understand if he's ready to go just going and winning game one and taking two shots to get one game, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, kind of the the scouting report on Silseth is what? You know, fastball 95-96 with a decent changeup and a good curveball. But like you mentioned, he's got an ERA in the fours. He doesn't walk a ton of dudes. Also doesn't strike out a ton of guys either. It's kind of decent. So that tells me something. If you throw that hard and don't strike out a ton of people. He's got 56 strikeouts on the year, uh, 14 
walks. Like he's not walking a ton of guys. Uh, you know, it's not, not an alarming walk rate. Like he's had 56 innings, and only walked 14 guys, but he's also got 56 strikeouts. It's a strikeout per inning, by the way, if you do the math. 56 to 56. Sure. Check me on that. Yeah, nine K nine. Okay. So no, that's sorry. That's that was his conference only numbers. I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Sorry, okay. we're gonna go through that again because I I had that written down earlier, and I was like, actually, that 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 doesn't really add up. Let's try this one again. Chase still says. He's got a five ERA on the year. Yeah. He has 86 and a third innings on the season. That's 93 strikeouts and 24 walks. So a little bit of an uptick in the strikeouts and probably, is, I guess that's a slightly worse walk ratio, but you get what I'm getting at. And opponents are hitting 281 off of him. Like it's, it's, it's okay. So go ahead, floor is yours. If you, if you throw that hard and you don't strike out that many guys, what does that tell you? I mean, it just – it tells me your fastball is kind of flat. I mean, is what that kind of tells me. Maybe I'm wrong. I hadn't seen the kid pitch. I did go watch his start against Grand Canyon. He's good now. I mean, let me rephrase. He's got, got good stuff. Talent. Yeah, it, there's arm talent there. I mean, it's 94 and 97. Uh, it bumped in 97. It's really 93 and 95. Um, I don't know. I – it it was not overly impressive. I mean, look, look you've got your – the game logs, I think, in front. Oh, Grand Canyon got after him now. Um, Grand Canyon gets after you. I figure the Rebels will get after you too pretty good. Um, so that's that's why I said the thing with Doug is, man, if you throw him out there, I really think there's a possibility you could get out of Friday night with a win and then, hey, you're looking at just winning two games. Um, now you would have to throw Diamond or, or Myers against their ace on Saturday, assuming – now this is assuming that Arizona is going to keep their same rotation. And I don't – you know, at this point, I don't, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. Um, but, you know, I, I if there is a world where you can just – if Doug's ready to go, you can just go get you a win on Friday night and take you two shots to get one win. I am glad you brought up the game logs, my friend, because I was looking at this earlier today and wrote down a note in my office. Uh, as we preface, as always, if you're an employee of Dark Horse Solutions, this is all fantasy. The Grand Canyon, he goes three innings, and he goes four runs on nine hits, okay? Yeah. He struck out four. Do you know who his previous start was against? Dixie State. That is correct. And he allowed six runs, four earned on five hits. All of that, he struck out seven, and he allowed walks. They had a couple walks, three walks. They had not issues, but when you go that short, it was probably played some factor into it. I'm not even looking at either one of those. Is there anything to the fact that he has not faced a, for a football term, a power five offense in 20? five-ish days by the time he pitches again? Is there anything sure. to do that? Sure. Um, I guess his last conference start would have been against Oregon State. Is that correct? Yeah. On, on the tw- they, he, they faced Oregon State on the – he faced Oregon State on the 21st. First, excuse me, I can't talk today. I'm assuming that Dixie State deal was a COVID thing? No, they uh, – the pack uh, – they, somebody didn't play or, or whatever. They they all have one non-con uh, – series during the year i mean during once conference play starts they all have to take one weekend off fair enough so um but yeah um it's it's not great stuff he's not faced the league competition in a while but you know you talk about not facing power five teams and you're right well the uh group of five or whatever in god god's name you want to call him lit him up pretty good uh Dixie State out of the whack got after him pretty good and and grand canyons in the whack they got after him pretty good uh, maybe Ole Miss just needs to put whack on their chest. I don't know. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I never really thought about that. If you want to talk about his calling card of the start of the season, it came early on in Pac-12 play. He went six and two-thirds and out one run on three hits in, uh, against Oregon with 11 strikeouts. Outside of that, I mean, I think there's seven shutout innings or something in there against Utah, but Utah's not any good. Like if you, yeah, exactly. If you go through that, like that's kind of his calling card, right? Doesn't you USC had a decent club this year. He went eight, but he still gave up four runs. Like obviously his best start of the year, at least on paper appears to be against Oregon. And it's kind of just been, I mean, pedestrian sense. He gave six against Oregon state the, before that, he had not gone beyond the sixth inning, which doesn't make a ton of difference since that started against Utah. Like, I, the better teams in the in the Pac-12, Sands, Oregon, have kind of gotten after the kid. And you know what? To a lesser degree, so did Dixie State, soon to be renamed. I don't know if you saw that news story. And Grand Canyon. Yeah. Um, so, in, in saying that, boy, it's it presents a twofold scenario, right? Do I just go get my win on Friday night? Because I, I really do think if ne- if Doug throws on Friday night, the Rebels will win. Or do I chance it and have Doug available and maybe beat this guy with one of my, you know, second or third guys in Diamond, Doherty, Myers, McDaniel, who well, – I'm probably not McDaniel. Um, don't really think – I mean, I think Drew's good I, or going to be good. I just don't think you can trot him out there in this scenario. Um, but, you know, do I try to go beat this guy who's – who's got an inflated ERA without Doug, and then I'm rolling if I can get that one. And if Ole Miss loses on Friday, of course it's not over. I'm not suggesting no. that. But given the kids' numbers, you're really going to feel like you missed an opportunity, particularly with Urban going on Saturday. Because, the you know, their version of Doug, which is not as good, is the swing guy as well. Sure, sure. It's interesting. I mean, Mike's got a really tough decision to make. Um Assuming, you know, Mike's never going to throw somebody that doesn't feel like they could go. If Doug's not able to go, then he won't go on Friday. Um, but, you know, it's it's an interesting call because you have to decide, all right, if I, do I throw Doug, go get my win, and then, you know, try to win two games or one, one out of the next two games, or do I chance it with a guy that's not as good as Doug and either Diamond or Myers um, maybe win the game and then – have Doug available for either game two or game three. Thank you, it's me, I chance it. I just – because I'm I, I'm pretty confident. You know, I'm confident in myself and my team. If I do get beat, hey, Doug's going to pick us up on Saturday and we're going to get this thing to Sunday. Um, if it's me, I, I think I take that chance against a guy that's just not been very good lately. Right, and it's not one of those decisions that, like, everyone in the outside world will remember if Mike hadn't done this blank. It's not the sure. – to a lesser degree, it's not the – if he doesn't start – I mean, if he doesn't go to Mallets in the sixth against State, if you want to put it in terms of this year, or name the move again the Sunday game against A&M. But I will say the flip side of that, it is a, a decision that it does not go well for Ole Miss. It's something that Mike might potentially look back for a long time and wonder what could have been. Sure. Because sure. it's quite a predicament when the decision is in your hands. It, there's no wrong one, and I don't think he'll be faulted either, like no matter which way he goes on this thing. But I do – like it's, it's different when the decision's in your hands. I just – like if Ole Miss does lose this in two or they lose this in three, and I'm not saying I think that's going to happen, this could potentially be one because there's so many avenues where Mike looks back in five years and is like, damn, I wonder what happened if I had done Y instead of X. Sure, sure. But I think if it's me – Maybe it's just me. I think I'd look back and hate myself more if I threw Doug on Friday night and I won 12-1 to 1 and then I lost the Super Regional. 
Kind of similar think, to regional in that in terms of that decision, right? On a lesser scale. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the one that would eat at me more. And instead of, hey, we lost game one, and then Doug got us to game three, um, but we lost game three. I, that, that wouldn't bother me as much as I beat them twelve to one on Friday night, and then couldn't get it done on Saturday and Sunday against probably their two better pitchers. Because I mean, in reality, from a numbers standpoint, they throw their third best guy on Friday night. Yeah, you're exactly right. And so I think that's an interesting way to leave it. Let's kind of transition to the scouting report um, on Arizona's lineup. Uh, here we sure. go. I have uh, pages of notes, and it starts with they hit. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. Um, really good one through nine. There, there's not really a, a hole in that order at all. Um, so, you know, it starts at the top with uh, Dante Jones, I believe is his name. Um Kid's a stud. Uh, center fielder, really good de- defensive center fielder. It's a, it's a deep lineup, one through nine, that, uh, that Ole Miss is – look, there's going to be times this weekend where they get rolling. It's going to be tough on Ole Miss. Um, but you kind of just hope you can minimize it and out-hit them because, I mean, th- this is an elite-level lineup. It's, uh, it's kind of uh, Southern Miss on steroids for, you know, to put it lightly. This, this team can really, really hit. I, uh, I'm going to give a crumb to the nerds and the traditionalists. I'm going to feed you out of the palm of my hand all in about two breaths. You ready for this? You ready for my sure. batting average set of the day? Oh, uh-huh. They had five guys hit 364 better in Pac-12 play. Pretty good. That is quite good. Okay, I'll go with the nerds who are probably like, God damn it, this kid just said batting average again. They had <laughs> four dudes with 1,050 OPS or better in Pac-12 play. They mash, man. They mash. It is, as I said earlier this week, Ole Miss can win this, but either way, however it goes, if Ole Miss wins 2-0, 2-1, whatever, it is going to be a coronary because they are going to make life miserable for, for 18 innings. Uh, yes, they are. And, it, you know, it's a team that, I mean – they do it a, a lot of it without hitting the ball out of the ballpark. I think, yeah. and I don't have this up in front of me, I believe they were third in the Pac-12 in home runs. And now their best hitter overall is Jacob Berry. And, of course, he's hit 15 bombs. I think he drove in like 65 runs. Like, kid's really good. And then that the Suzak kid has had 12. But they, they lead the Pac-12 in just about every category. But home runs is not one of them. And I think they had two guys with eight in conference play, and then it drove – Dripped off to like seven three three two. They do a lot of this in the gaps, and maybe that's some of their ballpark, some of the ballpark. But to me, that's almost a sign of a more a better and a more complete offense. Like they get you all kind of ways. It's not just mash and strike out. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a really good offensive team, and and really looking at kind of the numbers, they don't strike out a ton. Um, it's a, it's a team that that you're not going to run the ball by. So. You better be good defensively. Better make plays because uh, they're not a guy that you're. They're not a team that you're just going to be able to overpower with velo um, or, or stuff. It's a it's a real offense, man. It's probably that's not a probably to it. It's the best offense Ole Miss has played this year. You think Arkansas included? All right, I I don't want to get into this. Arkansas's offense is not as good as people think. Fair enough. What would be the second comparison then? I mean, Arkansas's Arkansas's the best offense Ole Miss has played this year. They're just not as good as people think. Um, what's the trade-off there with uh, SEC pitching versus what these guys have seen? Uh, it's 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 a decent bit different, but 
I mean, it's look. I mean, you've got the stats in front. What's their season OPS? Their season OPS as a ball club is nine thirty one. Yeah, Arkansas is like eight sixty or so. Um, it ain't seventy one points worth of difference. So, uh, look, Arkansas has got a really good offense. I don't think they're the best offense in the country, as some people was, have have said. But um, if it's, Arkansas is a top ten offense, but but I would put Arizona as like number one or two. Um, depending on kind of what you maybe wanted to do with TCU before they got put out. Um, they didn't perform really in the regional. So it's, to me, the best offense. I'll say this. It's the best offense remaining in the country for sure. Fair enough. And to your strikeout point, I think they were seventh in the Pac-12 in strikeouts. They did not strike out a lot. You know, it's interesting, and this kind of gets into the different styles of baseball. I, I imagine there's probably some listeners out there where you hear the announcement yeah. talk about West Coast-style baseball. This ain't that. No, it's not that in that sense. But where I was kind of going with that was – you know, how many I mean, how many times have you heard this week is they will run a decent bit? They rank second to last in the Pac-12 in stolen bases. No, they don't run a lot, but they're safe when they run. Uh, yeah. I think there's they were 16 and 19 in the pack um, in stolen bases. So, now Dunhurst is going to limit some of that if they do decide to run. They will get hosed if they try to try to get overly aggressive on the bases by Dunhurst this weekend. Um, but, yeah, they, they don't run a ton. Frankly, with that offense, the way they hit, I wouldn't run a ton either. Shout out to Washington State. I know nothing about your baseball program. But scored 21. They what? They scored 21 on, uh, on a game that Silsa pitched. Okay. So, th- good on them. I was more getting at it from the sense <laughs> if you go through a 50-something or 50-something game season, 49-game season in their case, and you try 17 stolen base attempts, props on you. You're just giving I it. respect that. I respect the hell out of that. Billy Bean does too. Yeah, we're trying to steal one base. Get thrown out, stealing second or whatever the hell the term is. That that cracked me up because it's like 60, 58, 50s, 50s, 40s, 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 37, 37, 11 in terms of successful stolen bases. How uh, do do you have uh, their home runs in front of they? They I wonder if they had a bunch of homers. Uh, let's see. I do. I don't feel confident in the Cougs. Uh, let's see. Uh, 43. Um, That's not great. Their counterpart across uh, the apple cider cup rivalry, uh, Washington only knocked 20 of those bad boys over the fence this year. What? Ooh, good God. That's what I said. I didn't even look at that earlier. I just Elko have to- might have 20 before this year ends. If Elko has more home runs than a team, does he get to own that team? <laughs> I feel like he should. Yeah, Washington. No, my my men over there. The Huskies don't hit. They they had 400 hits on the year. Arizona had 678. <laughs> Only almost 300 300 more hits. Can we get a toilet bowl? Can we get a Washington Mizzou in between games in uh, Omaha? What do you think no. about that idea? I've had worse. Hey, Washington has been in Omaha recently. They were in Omaha in 2018. They've had a good baseball program. They were a pretty hellish two seed. Were they the two or the three the year old miss with? They were the they were the two and should have hosted. Yeah, they were that was a good program. Uh not not this year for the Mighty Huskies. Translating a little bit into actual personnel for yeah. uh, Arizona. I know you had the lineup down earlier before we started recording. So before we get too much further into it, just uh, recite what that the lineup you think will be if you have it in front of Um All right. Give me just a second, let me pull it up. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, Dante Williams. I said, call him John, Dante Jones earlier. Excuse me. Dante Williams, uh, Jacob Berry, Brandon Boisere, Daniel Susak, Kobe Cato, Tony Bullard, Ryan Holgate, Tanner uh, Otremba, 
and Nick McLeody. Uh, Mac Bingham is, if he's healthy, will play, um, probably over Otremba. But uh, the first nine that I listed was their lineup for most for two of their three games in the regionals and, and going back into the regular season. So that looks like what their lineup will be. Sure, absolutely. And if you're looking for the uh, – how in God's name did I for just blank on the kid from A&M again? Uh, th- uh, Frizzell? Yes, yeah, sorry, Frizzell. If you're looking for kind of the Frizzell in this order, you should look no further than Jacob – yeah, Jacob Berry. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good cop. He's a he's a freak show man. Um, but you know, like like you know, the the saying him lineup has they, their own lineup has a lot more behind him. Where you better you better pitch to him because if you don't, there's a there's dudes coming to get you after him. Unlike a uh, and M really had. Well, and Barry's a professional hitter. That man was listed as their opening day DH. Like that man is not there to field balls. Just like that kid from Ohio State was not here to play school. That man is there to mash. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's done one heck of a job at doing that this year. Yeah, absolutely. If you just want to get into Barry's numbers just for a hot second, I don't know if you want to go overall or you want to go uh, where the hell you want to go with this, but it doesn't matter. He leads the team in hits on the year with, I believe, a total of – he's at – sorry, does not. He's second with 80. He is first in home runs of 15. I mean, name the metrics, 64 RBIs, 679 slugging, 676 667 on base percentage. Dear God. Uh, um, so it does not take know, a ton in conference play. I thought this was interesting, and I think this plays a little bit to Ole Miss's advantage, and, and people may disagree, but I, I did think this was interesting. Um, Arizona's lineup, not their whole team. I, I didn't care about the guys that had seven at-bats. I went and got the guys that were going to play. Um, their OPS against left-handed pitching, 1.035. Um OPS against right-handed pitching is 930, which is still really good. That's their um, average. 930? That's their average as a team, by the way, just in terms of comparison. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. Um, but so so right-handers is, is you know, 0.1 points different, um, which is a big deal. Uh, but it's still really, really good. They, but my thing was, you know, they mash left-handed pitching. Well, Ole Miss is really just going to use one left-hander for a majority of the time. Jackson Kimber will get an inning or so, I'm sure. But, you know, Doug's really, really good. So, I don't really care what their OPS is uh, when, it, when we're talking about Doug because Doug's going to get them out a lot because he's really good. Um, but, you know, it is interesting that, you know, Ole Miss is going to throw mostly right-handers at these guys outside of Doug. And, and they are a little bit more susceptible, even though the OPS is really good against right-handed pitching. No, you're exactly right. I feel like I confused you there for a second. I was, I was saying that 930 OPS mark against right-handed pitching is kind of what their average has been for the year in total to where their average sure. against left-handed pitching, they're a hell of a lot better is what I was kind of underscoring your point. Right. So, right. And you're right. Ole Miss essentially has one left-handed arm that they'll use this weekend because for Doug, it, it, it doesn't really matter. If they show Doug because he's a left-hander, then call me nut. I, I'll, I will stand up. I'll tell my cap and go home Yeah, they you, hit Doug. <laughs> exactly. You hit the you take you you tip your cap to him and tell him congrats on advancing or congrats on winning that night. But so Ole Miss has really only got one left hander that'll factor in this series that will matter. Uh best hitters Barry, but it doesn't slow off uh no. much after that, right? I mean, like I mean you're talking about five dudes. Let's just go conference stats only in terms of like, sure. like you know, from their regular contributors Barry, it's Holgate, it's Donta Williams, and it's Daniel Suzak. Those are kind of the and I honestly, in some order, if I'm not mistaken, kind of looking at what they had 
lined out for the regional. That's the meat of their order. They might stick a guy in between, but that's, for the lack of a better phrase, two through seven-ish. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Like, that, that's, that, that's what you're facing, and you better get the leadoff guy out, and you better take advantage of the bottom because those dudes are really damn good. And guess what? For the most part, particularly Williams and Barry, they walk as well. That's why their on-base percentage is so high. Like, they, uh, they'll make you work for it. Those other guys are susceptible a little more to kind of swinging at bad pitches. But, uh, and I say that with Barry leading the team in strikeouts, but those other dudes are going to make you work, and they'll walk and get on base. Um, and that kind of leads, I guess, to the next point. Unless you have anything else to add, is there anything else you'd look out for with their lineup? Spoiler alert, they hit. They got about six dudes that are rake, and the other guys are not too shabby themselves. No, I mean, it's it's a lineup this deep, man. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit, um, not not a ton, but a little bit of ULL in 14, um, and that, man, they just one through nine are going to mash. They're not going to run like ULL did. They're not going to drag butt and do that kind of stuff. But it just it's a, it's a lineup that, man, you, doesn't let you breathe. Um, you got to be really good. So, um, I, I will say this. I think if Ole Miss is going to win this, um, and I'm sure we'll do picks here in a little bit, um, I do think if Ole Miss is going to win this, there's going to be a game where they have to win a 13 to 10 or a 14 to 11. Um, and now in saying that, when we start talking about pitching, I think that type of game plays well into Ole Miss's favor. Um, because at the end of the game, I have Taylor Broadway that can come in this in seven innings. Um, and Arizona doesn't really have that. They've got a closure that's okay. Um, and I think his name's Vince Vaselli. Um, he's fine, but he, he's not Taylor Broadway. Um, so Ole Miss has a guy that can, can effectively cut this game down to seven innings for Arizona, whereas Ole Miss gets to hit for nine innings if this gets into a slugfest. And Vaselli is the guy, but he's not the end-all, be-all guy. I believe they have five other guys in the roster that have registered saves, and some of that's just the product of availability and going through the course of the season. But Vaselli, excuse me, that I keep doing the conference-only thing. you got to make me stop doing that. Sorry, <laughs> let's try this again. I had this up earlier. Vaselli's got eight saves on the year. He is their guy. But you've got, uh, you've got uh, two other dudes with four and another guy with two, if I'm not mistaken. He's not Taylor Broadway. They don't feel as if the game is over when he comes in. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, and, and like I, you know, you do when Ole Miss is, when, when Ole Miss is up after the eighth inning and, and he asked Taylor Broadway to get six outs, that's, uh, feels like it's over. So like I said, I mean, it's, uh, if you get into a Monday or excuse me, a Sunday night where, Hey, Ole Miss is up 12 to 10 and to eight. Well, you feel a whole lot better about how you're going to get six outs than Arizona probably feels about how they're going to get six outs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 the point you we. I mean, we talked about it, but you initially made it. I mean, and you've made it at, at multiple times this year. But I thought the best way to articulate it was what you said on, uh, and I put some of it in the newsletter on Monday, Tuesday, whatever the hell it was. These days are running together at this point. It's definitely the postseason for us as well. Is it's a luxury that Ole Miss should not take for granted because what? There's two other teams in the country that can feel that way, and they both play in the SEC West. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's and you know, it's to the comes, by the way, in case it, you're trying to figure out who that is, right? And it's to the point where caught with cops. I mean, he's almost just a starting pitcher at this point. Um, but yeah, it's it's those two guys, and you know, look, I mean, if you look at Broadway stats, they're not they're not Landon Sims and they're not um, Kevin Cobbs, but that doesn't mean that I don't have any more trust that the game's over when he comes in than the, when those two guys come in. I mean, we're talking about a guy that hasn't given up has given up one run in almost a month now. Um, I think that may 
actually be a month at this point. I can't remember when the A&M game was. It's um, exactly yeah, a man. month. So he gave up one the Sunday game against Vanderbilt. So you're working right. on a month by the time the next time he pitches. But just to add a point to, to counter off of that, so his numbers aren't as great. But if you look at the way his numbers have gone, it's eerily similar. I looked at this two mornings ago because I was bored and I was up at 5 o'clock in the morning, as one does these days as a corporate sellout. <laughs> His his numbers and where he's – I hate to say struggled because Broadway has never struggled. No. Where his numbers have been inflated slightly, I'll put it to you that way, has eerily, eerily similarly mirrored the struggles of old Mrs. Bullpen. Broadway's yeah. numbers were worst at the points in the year, like that late April stretch or mid-April stretch, where it's like, dear God, can anyone on this roster collect an out? And as now as the old Miss Bullpen has solidified itself, and they have the Doherty's and the Brandon Johnsons, who at that time, who the hell was Brandon Johnson other than some guy that threw gas <laughs> in Arlington and Jack Doherty was a red shirt. Now that you have those guys to stabilize you and get you out to where they're your top two guys behind Broadway, it's no coincidence that he's given up like two runs in the last seven weeks. Like his struggles eerily, like his struggles were mirrored by the fact that he was put in suboptimal situations because of the dysfunction around him, if that makes any sense. Let me ask you this. You're exactly right, by the way. They, they've asked, they asked him to do a lot when this bullpen struggled. Let's, let's walk through a scenario where Broadway closes this out on Friday night. Let's say Doug pitches on Friday night. They win a four-to-one game. Broadway gets six outs. They lose on Saturday. How many outs do you think Mike feels comfortable with a fully fresh Broadway getting? On a, on a Sunday game three. I don't know if Tucson is closer to where I live than Mississippi. I have not looked it up. I would venture <laughs> to say it's further. But if you could somehow refresh Mike's mind to Arlington, Texas. Yeah, when he got 12. To where he let Broadway get 12 out in the first game of the season and never do it again. I think my answer to this question would be, <laughs> I mean, look, man, it's June 14. Yeah, mine's closer to 15 than it is six. I was about to uh, say, with the, a fully fresh Broadway dude, and with the if it comes down to it, and what, if they close this out, you've got eight days before you play again? Oh, yeah, I ain't worried about rest for Omaha. So is, that answer has to be – I mean, it has – I know it's not 12 minimum. So – For the so, sake of argument, I mean, say nine minimum, 15 maximum. Yeah, so here's the thing. If I – if it's me – and I have Broadway available on, on a Sunday night, and I'm up, I don't know, five to three in the fourth. And I got two outs and one person on. I think I just go to him and say, you know what, I, if, I got, if I got to close it with somebody else, I'll close it with somebody else. Um, but I need 3.1 and give up one and let my team – because reality is if you do that, you're probably up eight to, eight to four by the end of the game. And then, well, I don't know, Jack Doherty might can get me six outs. And – and you hope to God he does. Um, I, I just – if it comes down to it, I hope that Mike does not limit the innings that Taylor Broadway can pitch, if that makes sense. Like, I hope they don't say, all right, you got the eighth and the ninth. No, he's got the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, if, if you know, the situation comes to it. Um, I just kind of hope that they, they don't limit the amount of outs that kid can get. Because let me tell you, uh, the University of Arkansas is not limiting the amount of outs that Kevin Copps can get. Didn't he go six the other night? Seven. After Seven. going four on Saturday and going 2.1 on Friday. Mike, so, he started two games. Like, think about that. He went 6.1 on Friday and Saturday, 
and then seven on Monday. Did Keith Law tweet about it? He did not. He did not. He must have missed that. <laughs> Could have been past his bedtime. That's true. It was late. Well, and on top of that, the one part, and I hate to, like, make people mad at Mike before it even happens, um, and that sure. makes giving ourselves too much credit. The one thing that would concern me about that one aspect of it is after he did that, you know, it was funny. I was sitting in the stands that day uh, for Ole Miss' season opener, and that was the first Ole Miss baseball game I'd watched in the stands in, what, six years? I was kind of like, all right, this is an interesting vantage point. Um, it's a little different, but, you know, having a course gold top at your feet and kicking over five empties was a little better vantage point. <laughs> but I looked at a couple buddies I was with, and I was like, Mike Bianco wouldn't have done this five years ago. But yeah. then letting Broadway get 12 outs. But then he, he's never shown any, like, inkling that he'd do it again. And it cost him the game in Starkville, right, instead of going straight to him. So I'm just curious what postseason Mike would do, if that makes any sense at all. I just kind of think it's different when maybe your season's on the line and you're 14 outs from Omaha. Like, if it's me, um, I don't know how I'm getting 14, but I know how I'm getting nine, and I don't know. We'll see after nine if he can get me five more. I agree. I just wonder if, like, that's uh, that's something like that if, if he's had a shift in mindset. And you know what? There's there's also parts of that as well, right? Mike did that Broadway's first outing. It's February. Like, you couldn't do that you know, once every two weeks over the course of a 50-something game season, right? Like, that that would kind of border on, like, okay, you're tiring the kid out. Like you mentioned, he hasn't really done it since. Do you remember when this bullpen was – I'll give Mike some real credit here. Uh, this bullpen was struggling, and everybody said, well, they're just going to run Broadway in the ground. He never ran Broadway in the ground. Never. Never um, close either. No, I mean, the, the most he's pitched is regional weekend. And Frank, you had to. I mean, that's what it is. Um, no, he never, he never ran the kid in the ground. He threw three times against South Carolina. He threw three innings. That's fine. Um, but outside of that, I mean, he didn't pitch except for on Sunday at A&M. Um, he pitched three innings against Vanderbilt. He pitched three innings against Georgia. Um, and I'll give some mics some real credit there. They, they, you know, that bullpen was struggling. There would have been real opportunities to just throw that kid till his arm fell off. And he, he made sure he didn't. You must not have gotten the internet talking points. It was Mike's fault that Gunner got hurt because he threw 100 pitches a few times. Yeah. Um, you know, there was there was someone perpetrating that myth or whatever, and I went and looked at a certain first-round pick um, that pitched for Mississippi State in 2019, um, and he threw 100 pitches almost every single outing because it's okay to do that. Yeah, it's like this hundred for like old fashioned baseball, like hardos, I guess. Like this hundred pitch mark has become this insane benchmark, and it it's really not based in anything, right? It's not really based in anything. Anyway, before we get too far off in the weeds, let's make our picks and get out of here. Sure. You know what I said I'd do? What? Oh, figured up, and you didn't. Yes, no, you know I did it because I got off. The, I was doing an interview. I have a golf related story that'll hopefully be up at the end of the week about a certain Mississippian making the U.S. Open with a caddy that he pulled uh, off the course uh, five holes into the tournament. So uh, stay tuned for that. That's what we in the biz call a tease. Point being, I got home from work, and I didn't have time to tally it up. But why change now? We've been consistent all season. I don't do math. We make picks, and I don't add it up. Why would I change it now? That's a good point. We can call that a practice round. Exactly. So Exactly, which uh, this certain Mississippi golfer did not get before he qualified for the U.S. Open. Damn, I'm on fire today. But honestly, if I tallied up the picks – and then things went badly in Tucson. Don't you think people would be blaming me? That's why they lost? 
All right. So I want you tell me how insane I am. I need to present to you something. Um, so for like, this is kind of a story. So Friday and Saturday, I went home or excuse me, I stayed in Oxford and I wore an Ole Miss polo khaki shorts and flip flops to the game. And then Ole Miss won. Okay. And then on Sunday night, I wore like long pants. And then on, on, on Monday, I wore shorts and flip flops again. And Ole Miss won. So, did there, is the reason they lost on Sunday my fault? You're saying they were you had to wear pants on Sunday then, not Saturday. Yes, because I, I went home from church and then they lost. Um, yeah, I mean, I, there's probably a bunch of people out there sitting there now. It's like burn the pants, kid. <laughs> I, uh, I well, I didn't even realize I'd done it. And then the guy I was staying with was like, "Hey, you gotta wear you gotta wear this again." And sure enough, they won. So I guess I have to go and and watch those and make sure that uh make sure I'm wearing them on Friday. It is going to be a late night on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You thought about that? How late it's going to be? I did in the Tuesday newsletter. I gave a shout out to the. Uh, I think I worded it as shout out to all the bartenders working 9 p.m. first pitches on the square. Not all Ooh. heroes wear capes. So, do they close at midnight on Sundays? There is well, ish. I, I've I'll, I'll put it to you this way: I've been on the square on a couple Sunday nights where it was kind of like, eh, like. There's a photo, I think. I still haven't decided if I'm flying to Tucson or watching this in Oxford. I have to figure that out tonight. You could potentially be in my house for uh, or my apartment for a hot second, could you not? I would have to leave tomorrow, but yeah, it's a it's a possibility. I got to figure that out tonight. Okay, well, since I am a corporate sellout, I will be watching this on the TV. But as you mentioned, uh, the late night thing, you know, I had a buddy actually text me at one point while we were recording this podcast, wanted to make a plan to like go watch the games this weekend. And obviously, this is my semi-job now, right? Like, I'm not a reporter right. anymore. I don't get to be there. But I need to be there and be focused and, like, in tune to the game and kind of make uh, insights because that's kind of what we do on this thing. I was like, yeah, man, I'll do that. But, like, if I show up to some bar in Dallas at 9 o'clock on a Saturday night, what are the odds that thing has volume? Like, that's my trepidation. And just the fact that, like, if I go watch it with a group of people, they're going to want to start boozing at 6 or whatever. And your boy cannot be nine cores lights deep with this thing. Started. We should, we should do a live show. Uh, if uh, if Ole Miss is like on the verge of making the College World Series, you want to talk about gold? Do you want to remember? Do you remember that we used to we way 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 back when we did a post game football podcast for another website? Yeah, and uh, I feel like the statute of limitations of an entire nine months has come up now. I got several texts, several emails, and several scolds from my parents after this. Um, that Alabama kickoff is quite late, if you remember. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> I had enjoyed myself by the time we hopped on the mic that night. And that yeah. was one, and that was a one time deal. I was like, okay, I, I probably can't. <laughs> I probably can't do this again. It, it got published. Oh God! I will, I Can remember. you imagine like the the oh God if they went to like game three at like one fourteen a.m. on a Sunday morning? I I would be in no position to record anything. Well, like my ball point was just like now that people actually listen to this podcast, like if I did anything remotely close to that now, Chase would be like, "Dude, what is wrong with you?" Like, 
I don't know. Just the audacity of nine months younger than me to even try that. I guess I'm just saying I'm now grown up and now I take this seriously. Which oh, I'm telling you, I am telling you right now, if you want to record um, something after Ole Miss plays a game two or game three where they can go to the College World Series, uh, there's a very real possibility I am not in the greatest state in the world. Well, we'll just make it a drunk college segment because that's why I pay you the Indians. There you go. Let's, uh, let's make the pick. Oh. Let's get the picks going. In All here. right. Fayetteville Super, Arkansas hosting NC State. I, you know, on paper you're sitting there going, eh, it's Arkansas. Hold on, let's, let's do this. Let's pick uh, the team and, in the, and how many games. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, okay. So, all right, that's fine. That makes a difference. I'm definitely going Arkansas in three then. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go Arkansas in three. You know, it's, it's Arkansas. I get they've been the best team in the country all year. You know, it's, it's, it's not every year. They didn't sweep a whole lot, though. No, they did it. They just they they won series after series, which is huge in some people's metrics. Yeah, yeah, um, very very big thing for the fake committee. Yeah, made up stat. Anyway, the uh, I, I you know it's our, I guess what I was saying, you know, night it was it eighteen or nineteen Vanderbilt where it was Vanderbilt and everyone else just chasing nineteen. Nineteen. 19. So the last time we had a season, they're not that, but no. they're closer to that than the okay. This team is number one, but who? What does that really mean? You know what I mean? They've been the right. consistently the best team the most of the year, but at some point, NC State being one of the hottest teams in the country has to matter, and they mashed their way through Ruston. I will be kind of surprised if NC State doesn't push it to a game three. I will be too. And I mean, you look at Arkansas and I know Nebraska kind of peed down its leg later, but you see what happens when you push it to a winner take all, who the hell knows? Yeah. I mean, Arkansas hits a pop-up right there and that thing gets weird. Vanderbilt hosting East. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt and two for me. Yeah. Yeah. Vanderbilt too. Hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, obviously we talked to, you know, our whole, it feels like we're talking both sides of our mouth because we talked about how the, the hype on the lighter rocker train was a little bit much. Yeah. But at the same time, they're a absolute mf in Supers. Yeah, because ECU ain't seen that velo all year um, and that kind of that kind of stuff. So, no, nah, I, I, don't, I don't know how much doubt Vanderbilt's getting that done in two. Again, hope I'm wrong. Uh, you got the 8-9, Texas Tech and Stanford. I'm going to go Texas. Tech. Yeah, Texas Tech in two. I'll go Tech in three. I think Stanford probably gets a game because I was impressed by the way they kind of came back and handed it to Irvine in that uh, – yeah in that Monday game. Arizona Ole Miss. Do I got to go first? Yeah, you can go. Ole Miss in three. I, th- I think – because – and my thing – here's my thing. I Doug's going to win the game he pitches, right? That's my thing. So, Ole Miss got – Ole Miss has two games where they have to win one. Arizona doesn't have the guy where you look at and say, oh, well, that guy's winning, and, and Ole Miss does. Um so, so I'm just going to take the percentage play that Ole Miss does win one of those other two and say that Ole Miss wins in three. If you want to put a simplistic term on this series, it's Doug's wins the game he pitches, and can Ole Miss outmatch this Arizona offense in one? One time. Yeah, I think they did. I mean, I, I don't want to be a Grinch, I guess, so, like, I don't need people messaging me and emailing me. <laughs> I'll just say Ole Miss in three. What does it matter? I don't even add these up. <laughs> Sure. Almost in three. Why not? God knows. I, I hope I'm wrong. Maybe they get it done in two. How lovely would that be? That would uh that would be unprecedented, quite literally. <laughs> Austin Super, Texas against South Florida. Come on. Bulls in three. <laughs> okay. Texas in two. 
I don't add them. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go Bulls in three. I'll be – you know, you talk about rooting interest in these things. It's kind of fun, particularly as someone who's lost any rooting interest in any sort of sport because that's what just this industry robs of you. I will love to get behind a, a green and yellow team I have nothing about and just see if they can find a way to shock the world against South Florida. Does that make any sense? That will be fun to root for. Yeah, sure, sure. I'm I'm not opposed to to them winning at uh, Texas, and that'd be fine with me. I would I would have zero complaints about that. Probably the super of the weekend here, Tennessee LSU, buddy. I watched that. Yeah, they don't like each other. No, they don't. And I'll go first on this because you probably have a little bit more to add. I understand this LSU, like the LSU thing's awesome, but Oregon was not that great of a host. They had a great year. They surprised a lot of people. I just – I understand it's the LSU, it's the Skip Burtman, it's the Road Boys or whatever they're calling themselves. You have this magic – you know, you have teams that kind of catch fire and it doesn't really make a ton of sense a la 18 Mississippi State and things like that. I, I just think Tennessee has passed every test for an elite – I say elite, not like elite echelon. Great college baseball team in a given season. And so I'm picking the Vols. I think they're better. I do too. I think Tennessee's better. Um, I'll give it three though. Tennessee in three. Yeah, I think that's what I'm doing is Tennessee in three. Yeah. But even if LSU wins the Marceau start, do you feel great with Labus and whoever the hell else they throw? Well, they're not throwing Labus anymore. Labus isn't a thing. Um, Mikel Hilliard started on Saturday and Monday. Um, so, so Labus is not really a thing right now. He'd love to be back in Oxford. <laughs> I'm not sure if he started one of the games on Sunday. He might have, but uh, – he probably is not going to be in their rotation, I wouldn't think. Um, so, and Blade Tidwell is going to win on on Sunday. Their game two is on Sunday. So, it's do you think Marceau wins? And I do. And then I think Tennessee's just going to hit their way in game three. So, yeah, Tennessee in three. State hosting Notre Dame. <sighs> I don't know. Let's piss everyone off. Notre Dame in three. I'll go State in three. Although, I, I, I you know, you that's – that's kind of the underlying storyline here, right? It's like you get the you're getting the whole Notre Dame is pissed off narrative, and look, states played good baseball the last well, I say the, really just the last week, right? They kind of no shit yeah. over. They were playing pretty good, and they could have played bad baseball last week. That advanced. That's a good point. I would just say state in three, I guess. But like that, if no, you know what? That's the one you talk about. You know what happened to Florida last weekend? If I'm not just saying this. I promise you, I'll get accused of this. I don't give a shit. I'm well beyond at that point. That's the one where if Notre Dame blitzes them in two, everyone looks up and is like, whoa, but it's not that surprising. Does that make any no. sense? No, I mean, look, I mean, let's not forget Mississippi State before this regional weekend where they played a bunch of nobodies. Um, they got drug in Hoover. They had a good weekend in Tuscaloosa. They lost a home series to Missouri. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. I I won't be shocked at all at Mississippi State wins. Um, I actually uh, I have betting lines for these super regions. I should have sent you. Um, should have sent you them. But like for who wins the super, I think State was like minus one seventy five. Um, wow, that's good value on uh, the Irish. Yeah, it's Notre Dame plus like one forty or so. I think Ole Miss was essentially a pick 'em. Um, that should but, tell you something, even though it's college baseball. I know Vegas sitting is dead on. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I think Notre Dame's really good. I'll be honest. I, I think Notre Dame's really good. I think they're playing pissed off, and I, I think they go into start one, win two out of three games. I could definitely be wrong, and it wouldn't be the first time, but uh, it's kind of what I think happens. Fair enough. Um, 
before I mention this one, do you know where Ole Miss would be playing baseball and against two had they been the 11 national seed instead of the – I don't want to talk about it. Well, frankly, if you want me to be completely honest, as I sit here in Oxford, um, I don't know if they've been playing in Oxford this weekend or not. This place is about flooded. Is it going to keep raining, though? Yeah, I don't think it's stopping anytime soon. We've got the sunshine over here after much of a Oof. weekend as well. But, yeah, they would be at Swayze Field against uh, Dallas Baptist. One yeah. seed line up. Yeah. One. Of course, in fairness, if you're one seed line down, you're in Nashville against Kumar Rocker. That's a great way. That's a great way to cap it. I don't want to yeah. say that to the people these these uh these days. You're exactly right, but Hoover did not matter. Uh huh. Those are all the picks, actually. I, I thought we had one. Wait, more. We didn't. We didn't pick Virginia Dallas Baptist. Oh, we we didn't. I I literally just I had that point like stowed away in my head. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna get them with this one, and we didn't make the pick. Uh, I'm going Virginia. I think I'm going Virginia in three. Yeah, I think I think so too. Yeah, Virginia in three. And that's going to be the classic, like, you're not paying any attention at work because that's a Monday at one game for game three. (laughs) Like, that has the potential to get real weird. Yeah. In Columbia, South Carolina, because you got to protect everyone from COVID that's over. Yeah, come on. Do the right thing. Um, You know what's interesting? If State does go to a game three, they're prime time. They're Monday at seven. Did you know that? Actually, no, sorry, LSU, Tennessee could get switched to that. Right now, they're Monday at 7. They're both at 7, yeah. Yeah, LSU's got the the listing I have up. It's Tennessee, LSU, Game 3, Monday at 4 or 7. And for State, it just says Monday at 7. Oh, okay. Oh, you're saying it could be at the same time? No, I thought I saw they were both at 7. No, uh, Tennessee's got the option of 4. But I imagine, with respect to Mississippi State and Notre Dame, if that Tennessee-LSU game goes 3, they're bumping that to 7. Um, probably you could do five because it would technically be five in the Eastern time zone in Knoxville. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. That's which one would have more eyeballs, Tennessee, LSU or Notre Dame state. Cause look, Notre Dame's a massive, massive fan base. Um, and then obviously Mississippi state fans care about baseball. Which one has more eyeballs? I just don't know what Notre Dame's baseball fan base is. Just like, I don't know what Tennessee's is, if that makes sense. Well, all right. I mean, if I'll put it this way. Um, how many Ole Miss fans tune in to a game three softball team? How many, you know what I mean? Like, if your team's – if you're just sitting by the couch and your alma mater is playing to go to the College World Series in softball and you don't know one of their players, it's not hard to just put it over there on 206 and watch. No, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, I mean, they may not know the starting pitcher's name, but, like, you know. I mean, I watched women's golf a few weeks ago. You did do that. That was that was something. Um, okay, so that was our picks. I uh, actually, I'll answer your question. I would say Tennessee LSU just by just because the sheer LSU. Those people I mean, look how much gold is in Eugene, Oregon. Yeah, and then you know pulmonary uh, that storyline. So it's that's fair. It, it could be Tennessee LSU for sure. I just I think that that state that you know like you said the LSU Tennessee is the most storyline, but more. Most compelling super regional for me is is Notre Dame and State. I think that's two of the better teams um, left, and and frankly, both of them should have been national seats. We don't have anywhere to go. We can do the most compelling thing. Uh, give me an upset pick. I know you made your picks, but like upset watch, even if you didn't pick them. NC State over Arkansas. Uh, I I think. Look, I mean, at some point, Kevin Cox is going to have a bad day, right? Like they they run him in the ground every game. At some point, he's just not going to have it one day. It feels like. Um, 
Maybe I'm wrong, but I think NC State hits enough, and Arkansas doesn't pitch it well enough outside of cops. I just kind of think it's it's possible that the Hogs have a bad day, and you look up, and you're in a game three that's really really close. So if you know, uh, I tell you what, let me find while we're here, let me find these betting lines and see if you like anything as far as value goes. Um, they are from here. We go. Well, no, that's all right. Fayetteville Super Regional. Arkansas minus 700, NC State plus 450. I actually love that. Yeah, NC State. Um, Nashville minus 500, Vanderbilt, East Carolina plus 350. I do not love that. Yeah. All right, Lubbock. Texas Tech minus 135, Stanford plus 110. I actually kind of like Texas Tech there. Actually, I was about to say the same thing. I really would like Texas Tech a lot there. Um Tucson, Arizona, minus 125, Ole Miss, even money. So, that's essentially a pick em. Yeah, but if you're looking at with that – exactly. And you, I would take Arizona. If you're talking about just, like, looking at, like, from a betting standpoint or whatever, probably take Arizona. Um, Virginia, Dallas, Baptist is a pick em. Okay. Throw 20 bucks on that and just – okay, sweet. So, Starkville, Mississippi State, minus 175, Notre Dame, plus 140. I would like uh, actually Notre Dame there now that you mention it. There you go. Why don't you, why don't you put a bet on the uh, South Florida Bulls? Texas minus 2,000, South Florida plus 900. Already did. Not really. <laughs> I did pick the Bulls, though. All right. And then Knoxville, Super Regional, Tennessee minus 600, LSU plus 400. Honestly, I mean, I think Tennessee's going to win that regional, but if like, I was betting on that, that's actually – to me, that's pretty good value with LSU, particularly the way they're playing. So, here's an interesting one I thought was interesting. Uh, uh, interesting one I thought was interesting. Duh. It's redundant. So, it gives you state of winning team. All right? So, Texas plus 280, which gives you Texas and Texas Tech. Um, North Carolina gives you East Carolina and NC State. This is the team to win the national title. Um, Tennessee plus 185 gives you Tennessee and Vandy. And then Mississippi plus 725 gives you uh, Ole Miss and State. And then any other team is minus 125. I think I'm taking the state of Tennessee. Oh, that's good because that's, that's seven or 185. And then you get the three and four seed to get Kumar and Lighter, which again, I'm not that high on, but I mean, it's that's that's part of it if you took the bet. Uh, I think I would take Texas plus 280. I think that's what I'd take. Those are the two best options by far and away. Yeah, any other state minus 125 is not worth it. Um, <clears throat> or Texas – yeah, because Texas and uh, Texas Tech are on different sides of the bracket too. Um, yeah, I think that's what I'd take. But I just thought those were interesting. Those are – that is an inter- that is a really interesting way to look at it. But, like, the, the 185, I get Kumar and Lighter, and then I get Tennessee, who I think is almost every bit as good as Arkansas. I know they lost three yeah. or four, but, like, that's not that far off. So, I get a second team in my sec- – so, if you look at Arkansas, I get a fractionally worse version of Arkansas, and then the other team I get to go with that is Jack Lighter and Kumar Rocker. So right. Just- so, here are the odds to win the national title for each team. Arkansas plus 200, Vandy plus 400, Texas plus 550, Tennessee plus 550, uh, MSU plus 1,200, Texas Tech plus 1,400, Notre Dame 1,800, Arizona 1,800, Stanford 2,200, Ole Miss 2,200, 
Dallas Baptist, 2,500. Virginia, 3,000. East Carolina, 3,500. LSU, 4,000. NC State, 5,000. South Florida, 6,600. The Bulls. 6,600. Put $10 down, you'd win $660. They're a tough out. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So. You don't just walk through Gainesville. That's right. So. Anyway, no, no matter how respected that Florida team is, um, wherever Kevin O'Sullivan's going, and we're not sure where. Apparently, he's, he might be lucky to stay at Florida. That's what I was getting at. We don't know where. <laughs> could be somewhere. It could be nowhere. Nowhere might be the best option for him. <laughs> or second best. Anyway, uh, before we get ourselves in trouble, that's our pod. I appreciate the time, as always, dude. I was about to say the next time we'll talk – will know each other's fate or on a microphone, but I will leave wiggle room for an emergency pod. Fair? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Leave, leave, Cause yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I, I will probably be fine to do one if Ole Miss wins one and two. So well, that three. Be, yeah. Probably the only time to do one. I, the other <laughs> part of it is it is three late first pitches. So like when you and I start recording at 11:15 cuz I make you do an emergency pod and then you go, "Oh, by the way, this game got moved up to noon." We won't have that. Correct. Correct. <laughs> we won't have pod of this 10-hour shelf life. So, I will tentatively talk to you Sunday evening very late, but we'll leave the possibly open. That's what we in the biz call our tease. That's a show. I appreciate it. Everyone have a safe and happy start to their weekend. Hope you're watching baseball with some of you uh you enjoy watching baseball with and have a great weekend. See you, dude. Sounds good, my man.